What's up, folks? This is the Leafs Convo Podcast. My name is Norman James. It is a pleasure to be with you again. It's been forever, but we are back in business. Sunday spectacular styles. Mike Augello's waiting to go, and I know you want to hear some Leafs talk, so let's do it. The Leafs Convo starts now. The Leafs Combo is brought to you by Vanguard Northeast Realty. With over 15 years experience, Vanguard provides superior level of service for commercial real estate tenants and owners. For more information, visit vanguardne.ca. And here we go. My podcast partner in crime joins us, the one and only Michael Piagello. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Norman. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, How are you doing? Not too bad. It's happy Sunday spectacular. The Leafs losing in Detroit on Friday, picking up a win over Pittsburgh in Toronto on Saturday. Not the greatest hockey we've ever seen, but they got three out of four points available. And they have a real test going forward, Mike. Well, yeah, I mean, the the, uh, the NHL scheduling gods didn't exactly do the Leafs and many of these teams any favors. They come out of a, a nine-day break and play four games in six nights. So it's it's not uh, it's not the best thing. But uh, And you could see the rust that, I mean, you were at the game in, uh, in Detroit on Friday. And, I mean, it was probably one of the, I would say, one of their worst performances of the year simply because Puck was bouncing. They only got 21 shots on Jimmy Howard. It was just sort of, um, you know, they, they were just out of sorts. Uh, they couldn't they couldn't corral the puck. They couldn't create offensive chances. And yet, you know, they got a couple good plays with Marlowe and Matthews, and that was enough to tie the game. And then they lose on the, the Kaiser goal. But, you know, they get three or four points of the first two games, and I don't think anybody is scoffing at that. It's interesting. We've seen this happen before. The Leafs lose to an inferior opponent on the Friday, then take on a team that is good or perhaps better than them historically the next day and win. Is this a situation where the Leafs are playing to the level of the competition, Mike? I, I think it's more centered on Detroit because the, I think I believe they've played them three times and all three games have gone to overtime. In the one game, they were down 4-1, to one, came back. And I think the other one was 5-4. And this one was, you know, they came back late after that goal uh, from Larkin. And then, you know, uh, Marlowe scores the goal off the shaft of his stick. I, I think it's more centered on Detroit. They, Detroit, they're not a good team, but they work themselves up for their uh, division rival. Um, but I, I think I think on Friday it was mostly rust. It was just, you know, getting, getting used to a new teammate in Jake Muzzin. You could see Babcock you know, I'm sure you noticed that they the defensive pairings were it was in a mix master for the entire game. It's like one shift he was using Riley and Muzzin, the next shift he's using Muzzin and Hainsey. Is like they they just constantly changed them. I think he was looking for combinations that would work, but uh, it was just it was not a good game. But a lot of teams coming out of that break were having a tough time. I noticed on social media fans losing their minds over Mike Babcock and his experimentation with the lines and the defensive pairings. Can you explain why he's doing that? Well, I, I know that yesterday the people who thought that this was a winning combo, that they were going to keep Matthews and Marner together, I mean, they were lying to themselves because Babcock was sending signals even when he decided he was going to move them together, that it was a temporary thing. He moved Matthews and Marner together to get Matthews jump-started because Marner is, you know, and the funny thing is, is like Matthews had a goal and an assist on, Friday and Marner didn't have any points in that game. He knows that the winning combo for Marner is him and Tavares. They've worked great together all year. He just simply moved Marner to Matthews line to get Mar- Matthews jump started. Now he scored 
three goals in three straight games, and now he's going. So now he can move Marner back to Tavares. I mean, he's going to do that. He's not going to put those two guys together. It's putting all your eggs in one basket. But in opposed to some of the other line changes, he's going to he's going to do that because he's done that all year. And the defensive pairings. It's because of Muzzin, and they're gonna they're gonna find where there is a comfort level uh, before February 25th to see if they need to address even more defensive problems. Because I still think their defense is okay; it's much better with Muzzin being added, but it's not great. So I think there's still a move or two to be made. Is there an urgency in this? application of change for the head coach mike yeah i think there's a bit i mean let's just say they, they don't have a lot of wiggle room when it comes to the playoff situation um but i think that babcock needs to know what he has on hand um you know he i mean with muzzin mixed in and you can see already you know why they got him you know he's a big physical guy who likes to hit and you know he's not bad offensively the uh, analytics crowd is happy because his puck possession numbers are great and he breaks up cycles so i mean you know it, he he satisfies every aspect and he's played fairly well in in two games so you, you add that to the combo with riley you see if riley is can play the right side which he has in the past with muzzin or you know, do they move things around? I think is right now it's experiment experimentation time for Babcock, and he I think he'll keep doing it until he finds something he's comfortable with. Then he'll stick with it. But I, like I said, I think they're also doing that to see you know, okay, what can we address? What can we upgrade before the deadline that doesn't cost us a ton? And then you know, he says to Kyle Dubas, "This is what I think we need," and you know, go to work. The Leafs have to go to work, Mike. The standings right now, a lot more crowded around the Maple Leafs than I was anticipating they would be at this point. Do you think that the Leafs have another gear here and that when 82 games are complete, um, the blue and white will have pulled away from most teams? The New York Islanders are a point ahead of the Maple Leafs and both have played 51 games well and i mean if they were battling for a wild card spot that would mean something but it's it's meaningless in the sense that the islanders are in the metro and the, the highest they can finish is first in the metro and the leafs are not going to finish first in the atlantic because tampa bay is the best team in the nhl i mean right now the goal of this team is to finish in second place and get home ice advantage in in, in the in the first round um montreal you know the montreal has been a a a uh a good story in terms of for their fans because you know Max Domi is has scored like crazy, much better than anybody expected, and they got Weber back and prices seem to straighten out after I think a rough first half. But you know, again, their general managers come out and said he's not going to add players at the deadline. I'd like to see him say that with a, say that again in front of the the passionate Montreal fans because if they smell the playoffs, they're going to want him to make make some moves. Um, Boston is going to make a move. The island, you know, the, the Islanders will probably make a move. So it, that's why I think it, it may be incumbent upon Kyle Dubas to to continue to improve this team. But it's going to be very close. I mean, right now between uh, you know the the Leafs and tenth place, it's nine points. Now nine points is 
pretty damn big, especially in the you know possibility of three-point games in the NHL. But it's not impossible if you lose a bunch of regulation games in regulation, which they've done in the past. So they can't go to sleep on this. But I think you know Kyle Dubas is going to be aware of what his what the, his main competitors are going to do in this in this league leading up to February 25th. That's why he's probably going to have to make another tweaking or maybe a couple tweaking moves. But I think there's another gear. I, I do. And I think, you know, again, William Nylander is not playing like he can. Um, you know, they're, they're, Matthews had his slump. You know, the, the, not everybody is operating on all eight cylinders. And I think that, that eventually that'll happen. The big question is, why aren't the Leafs better? You've gone through some of the reasons why they've gone through the slumps. They've uh, endured over the last little while the, the individual issues that have multiplied and cause the Leafs to have their difficulties. This team should be at least five to eight points better than it is. Well, I mean, the Islanders, and I'll just, just say this quickly. I mean, Barry Trotz has had a great effect on that team. They they're playing a defensive system that they've not never played before. If, if, if Barry Trotz had gone to the Islanders last year, John Tavares may have not left because they, they would have, you know, had some idea of what was going on. They're getting great goaltending out of Robin Leonard. Their defense is playing well. They're they're getting balanced scoring. They're not they're not perfect. And right now, you know, they've been on a hot streak, and the Leafs are coming out of a rough patch. So that's the reason why they're a point ahead. I think if you ask Mike Babcock, the reason why the Leafs are where they are right now in terms of you know not reaching the expectations that some people had for them, I think he'd say it's the power play. The power play has been really bad over the last, I would say, month, month and a half. Not consistent. Um, they've got all these weapons, but teams have devised a way to shut them down. Again, if you saw yesterday against Pittsburgh, you know, the, the Pittsburgh def- uh, uh, penalty-killing group, they collapsed down. They spread out onto the onto the uh, the half boards where Matthews and Marner are, are. They forced them to make those cross-ice passes earlier than they want or uh, through four bodies. They don't have a big point shot in Morgan Riley, although he's a really great offensive mind in terms of passing and, and, you know, creating offensive plays. But when you don't have a big booming shot from the point, they can collapse down on your forwards. And then it's basically a four on four with a, with, with your defenseman looking for an opening. So they have to devise a way uh, to uh, have some success on the power play with all that firepower, or maybe shake up the power play and, I, I've been of the opinion that Matthews, Marner, Kadri, Tavares, all on the one power play is not a great idea. I think you need somebody in front of the net creating a havoc. Um, I know Kadri can do that sometimes, but you may need a different uh, chemistry on that power play for, to be, for it to be more effective. This is the Leafs combo, Norman James with Mike Godjello. The power play, obviously, something that the Leafs really need to revitalize in order to make strides. 13th in the league with all of that weaponry, Mike, considering their glut of forwards and just how much talent they have, do the Leafs need a different look at forward? Do they need perhaps a forward to be brought in via trade? Somebody different, somebody with a different skill set, a different mindset to come in and maybe give this forward group a jolt? Or do you think it's all in front of our eyes right now and it's just a matter of Mixing and matching and finding the right combination. I think eventually the power play will get online, but I, you know, I, I noticed something in Ray Ferraro, who's very observant of of you know, in-game situations. 
um, said something on Friday that, you know, he spoke to what I've had a problem with for a while. And that was uh, when Jakob De La Rose from the Red Wings went to the net, crashed the net. And I can't remember who the defenseman was. I think it was Travis Dermott. And he went right at Frederick Anderson and knocked Anderson down. And there was no anything in terms of a response for De La Rose. He got the penalty for goaltender interference. And when you're, you know, to use Mike Babcock's, uh, you know, phrase, well, our power play is our, our intimidation or our, our muscle or whatever, you know, uh, and when your power play is not scoring, you allow the team to take more liberties, I think. And when you look at the fourth line and how ineffective it has been, um, you know, I didn't think uh, over the weekend that uh, that Gautier and Lindholm were particularly good. Uh, I, oh, Lind- Lindholm's great without his stick, though. He was he was fantastic there. Was it in the second period? He's running around like a soccer player. Yeah, Looked pretty great. Hey, Mike Babcock's comment about the power play being the team's toughness hasn't aged well. No, and and that's that's what I'm saying. I am not advocating going out and getting a you know knuckle dragging Neanderthal like Zach Cassian or somebody like that who you know is single minded in his purpose. But you know Jake Muzzin is not a fighter enforcer, but he hits and he uh, he he'll stick up for his teammates. And I think the Leafs need somebody on that fourth line that, uh, you know, could provide that. Not somebody who's just a, you know, five-minute energy forward. Somebody who somebody who actually play, you know, nine to ten minutes like the fourth line does. Now, the internal option for that um, is probably gone because I, I saw a report from one of the Marley reporters that Mason Marchment is out uh, two to three months with an upper body injury. So him being called up is not an option. I think you can get that kind of player uh, before the deadline for a relatively inexpensive price. Somebody who can provide some energy and a little bit of pushback on the fourth line. Uh, maybe even somebody like a, I've heard Patrick Maroon's name who couldn't play higher up in the lineup uh, as a bigger forward with a with a skilled way, a skilled center like a Kadri or or a Tavares or somebody like that. So I think that's where the Leafs need to address because when they play Boston, when they play Montreal, when they play anybody in the playoffs, that team, if they have physicality, will try to impose that on the Leafs. Yeah, no question. Don Cherry during Hockey Night in Canada, say what you will about Don. I mean, he's a bit of a fossil, but he's a legend. He he understands the game from a certain point of view. Highlighting the physical aspects of Boston – and of Winnipeg, man, that Winnipeg team's a lot of fun. And how they stick up for each other. They help each other out. I mean, they're not f- afraid to get physical or mix it up or scrum or even throw fists with the opposition. And I understand a lot of people hate that aspect of the game. But would you rather disregard that and not win a cup or have that and win a Stanley Cup? Because I think you're better to have that and your chances of going all the way with physicality and with the ability to push back put you in a better position to get to where you want to go this is the Leafs combo for Vanguard Northeast Realty in Toronto I'm Norman James with Mike Agello. Mike what do the Maple Leafs lack that all of the past recent Stanley Cup winners had I mean right now I mean the, the one thing I think besides that 
aspect we just talked about. I mean, I think they could use another forward like that. I think they could, I think they're still going to be looking for a right-hand shot defenseman before the deadline, but not somebody who's going to cost them anybody off the roster. I, again, I, I think it's going to be like a Roman Polak type of situation. If, if he's available with Dallas or somebody of somebody of that ilk, I, I really think that the only thing that's not proven right now with this team is other than Mitch Marner, who had a great year, in the in that seven I had a great series in that seven game series against the Bruins it's the young guys that make up the core group of this team proving that they can show the players that they are when it counts in the playoffs Matthews played well against Washington two years ago did not play well against the Bruins last year Nylander has not played well in both playoff series and Freddie Anderson who's a veteran you know, I mean, you, he, he played really good in the games in Toronto and one of the games in Boston, but he had to make some saves in game seven against the Bruins. I think that what they need to prove is that they can show up when it counts. And again, if they played the Bruins, there's also the mental aspect of getting over a team that you know, they probably should have beaten and didn't. Uh, and a team that I think intimidates them in their minds. Um, whereas if they play a Montreal or somebody else, then I think that's less of a concern. But then, you know, I mean, I, I think if they play Montreal, they'll win. If they play Boston, I, I don't know. That, I'm not that, sure, Mike, I'm not sure they beat anybody in the playoffs the way they're, they've performed over the last little while. And that's, well, not, that's not suggesting they can't beat anyone. I think they can beat any team. But they haven't shown me, and I'm sure they haven't shown most fans, just how good they can be. And the question now, the curiosity revolves around how this team is going to pull itself out of this average run that it's on. And when does it emerge as the team that we all thought it was and believe it can be at some point? And is it a process that is solved internally or is there another addition needed to be made to this current group to really ignite it? I, I think it partially can be solved internally. I mean, if you ask me the best combination currently, if they at least don't add anybody uh, at forward before the deadline with the best combination for the fourth line that would make them usable and less of a liability going into the playoffs, I would say it'd probably be Trevor Moore between Power Lindholm and maybe Tyler Ennis because there'd be energy, there'd be speed. Teams would have to worry about, you know, Moore's got really good speed. Ennis does as well. Lindholm, I think he's not a big scorer, but he's good on the penalty kill. And I think he's a better center than he is a winger. I don't see any role on this team in the playoffs for Freddie Gauthier. I'm not trying to be mean to the guy. I just don't think, you know, coming going up against going up against uh, you know, somebody from the Bruins or he, he's got to use his physicality to his advantage and he fails to really do that on most nights. So, I I, I if if he can't do that and he can't provide that, then I think that they need to look at a different direction when it comes to the fourth line. On defense, it's, you know, right now they have five lefties. That's a big deal to, to, to Babcock. Mm -hmm. He, he said after the Muzzin trade, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do with, we'll work with what we got. And then that wasn't insulting Muzzin, but it's basically, he likes left, right for his, for his defensive pairings, because when you're on the backhand, you can't make, you know, strong cross ice passes uh, or get it out of the zone. Uh, it's easier to do it on the forehand that's his belief 
again, that's, you know, Dubis shied away from deals apparently that included uh, uh, a Janssen or a Kapanen uh, or a Rasmus Sandin uh, because if we're a right-hand shot defenseman, because he wants to keep those players. Sure. I get that. So, but, 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 but still it doesn't eliminate the need for a right-hand shot defenseman. And if he can find one that's uh, less expensive and can fit under the cap situation, then, then that's, what the, I think he'll try to do. This is the Leafs combo for Vanguard Northeast Realty Corp. I'm Norman James with Mike uh, Jello. Bringing in Jake Muzzin for Carl Grundstrom, Sean Dursey, and a first-round pick is one thing. But if you're going to move out Kasperi Kapanen or Andreas Janssen or Rasmus Sandin or Timothy Lilgren, that, to me, suggests a deal over the top with an expectation of taking a major run at yeah. a Stanley Cup. Do you think we have yet to see that deal and perhaps we could see it before the trade deadline, Mike, or do you think that's the kind of deal that will be made next season? Yeah, I, that, that's an excellent question. The thing, the thing is, is that I, I think it's less likely we see that deal before the deadline unless an opportunity really opens up. And one thing Elliot Friedman reported in his 31 thoughts column, and I was a little dumbfounded by it, that there was talk between the Leafs and the Blues for an Alex Pietrangelo, and apparently the price would have been you know, as part of that deal would have been Nylander and the Leafs didn't want to make that. Now, I think, I think that the, 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 that story will change if they lose in the first round again, I mm -hmm. think they will make a move like that, you know, and now the thing is Petrangelo has a year left in his contract. There's no guarantee that they'd be able to afford to resign him. And then you have both Muzzin and Petrangelo. Yeah firing contracts. I think they can get Muzzin re-signed. I think that, you know, they, they, they pay, him a, pay him a little more than he's making right now at four million bucks and give him term that they can re-sign him. They can't, they can't get Gardner re-signed and that's why I think maybe they shied away from a Petrangelo deal because he'd probably be, you know, a, a, a lengthy rental and that would be it. But I'll tell you right now, I if there's an opportunity to get a defenseman out there that they think can play in the top four, you might have to consider trading Jake Gardner before February 25th. I mean, he's a rental. You can probably get back a package pretty close to what you traded for Muzzin. And I mean, honestly, I, I see no way he comes back. So, no. but we've made but, that clear, Mike. We, right, but right, that clear. right, but right now it's like okay, it sort of undo, it sort of undoes the, the 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 Muzzin deal in the sense of you just made a deal to improve your top four and then you're trading one of your top four. The only way it makes sense is if you're getting another defenseman sure. that's in, in your top four. And I I don't think that they can pull off two of those deals in a month. Well, you're changing the strategy too. Jake Gardner, he's weighted offensively as a defense defensive player. So he he's a defenseman, but He's an offenseman. He's a rover. He's not a defenseman. <laughs> yeah, I like offenseman. That's I like that. Are you willing to implement that kind of change at this point of the season, uh, with as much on the line as you have? I I like the idea of keeping Jake Gardner in the fold and letting him ride or die with the guy. Now let me bring up William Nylander. Mm. This guy better have a good playoff series or two or three. If if he's gone, if he falls asleep in the playoffs, that that's just not good. For him, well, yeah, for the I, organization, they they need they need him. They need everybody, but in particular William Nylander, a guy who really hasn't shone in the playoffs and needs to, especially if his season leaves a lot to be desired. If he can kickstart it in the playoffs, that's that's good for him. That's good for the Leafs. Good for a potential trading partner. 
But mm-hmm. if he's not there and he, he can't take his game to a, a level where he's an impact player, this is going to be a, a real difficult situation. You're, you're right in all points when it comes to Nylander in terms of the playoffs. I mean, if the Leafs, if the Leafs goal is to keep him, then they need him to show up and be, a, be a, an effective secondary offensive contributor taking some of the heat off of Marner and Matthews and Tavares. Um, if it's if the goal is to trade him in the summer, then they want him to play well so they can increase his value. So his value is increased and teams will want him more. I think teams will want him even if he has a bad playoff. It's one year and people realize that when you sit out – training camp and two months of the season you're not you're probably not going to get back into the swing of things so I think his value is there no matter what he does but it best case scenario he shows up in the playoffs he starts playing you know well from now until the end of the season I mean you've seen signs that he's starting to kick it in with that three assist game against caps but you know I think they were saying yesterday and I agree with it the worst time that he could have a 10-day break was right after that game he probably yeah. wants to keep playing, and now he sort of has to find himself again. So, I mean, I think the Leafs have bigger worries than Nylander, but eventually they're going to need him to be William Nylander. And if he's not, then that's one less weapon they have. What is exactly what exactly is William Nylander? Is is he's not the focal point? He's a contributor. He's a guy who can take help bring you to another level. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he is not the focal point. The focal point of this team. Should be Austin Matthews, but really it's Mitch Marner and uh, and John Tavares. I mean, these are the guys who have carried the weight the entire season. And you know when a player's not playing well or needs a kickstart, they group him with Marner or Tavares. And it's funny, Tavares now seems like he's been snake bitten just a little bit. Thirty goals, he's been on thirty goals for a while now, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if fifty is going to be in the cards because he'd need what twenty in the next thirty games or so. I'm not so sure the way the team is constituted right now and. Even with additions or subtractions, this team really has um, what it takes yet to to drive forward and you know win playoff rounds and win a Stanley Cup. I I don't know what it is, Mike. That the talent on paper is there, and these guys have shown you know, especially at the beginning of the season, have shown that they can dominate. But just recently, it seems like everybody's catching up with them, and it's it's a matter now of taking that talent and finding you know what else they have internally. Um, to to separate themselves even more. Yeah, the the, the way that they played lately has opened the door for doubt to creep in, and you can't you can't uh, just ignore that. I think there are, are signs of you know certain players playing it playing better in different positions. Like I'm like I'm encouraged with the fact that Connor Brown. They moved him to left wing. They play him with Kadri and Nealander. I think Brown has played really well lately, and I know a lot of people that said, you know, Connor Brown's the guy you got to trade to clear cap space for next year. Again, you know, you replace him with somebody from the Marlies, the savings is a million bucks. It's not a lot. I mean, right now. So, I mean, the, the, that that's the guy that, you know, I, I don't see solutions in moving out Connor Brown's or Zach Hyman's. I, you know, with this team, you need your big players to play like big players. Right now, Matthews is after a stretch of seven or eight games that he didn't. And right now, Tavares, after carrying this team for a while, you know, he's having a, a downturn. What they need out of William Nylander is for him to be a 40 assist guy like he was in his first two years, to be a complimentary player to help 
Austin Matthews score goals, like Marner helps Tavares score goals. That's it. They don't need it to be the superstar that makes a Gilbert Perot rush from behind the net all the way through five guys and score a goal. They just need him to play the way he's played in his first two years. Absolutely. Any last thoughts? Who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Um, I never pick against Tom Brady and the Patriots. I'm not a particular fan of the team, but I do respect the fact that they've been in nine Super Bowls. I mean, I, the the Rams are good, so the Rams could win the game. But if it, it when you know it's a, and it, I think the spread is two and a half. Um, I, I think the Patriots will find a way to win. This might be the the swan song of Belichick and Brady. So um, I, I think the Patriots will win. The fun the funny thing is if the Patriots lose. Tom Brady will have lost as many Super Bowls as Jim Kelly, but he's won five. Yeah. That's the difference. Was Bill, was Bill Belichick not the head coach of the Cleveland Browns at one time? Yeah, that was his first head coaching job after being an assistant with uh, uh, with Parcells in uh, New England and the the Jets and uh, and the Giants. Was that the '90s or the '80s? Because the mid '80s, '90s. Yeah, but Cleveland was okay. It was '86. They went to the. AFC final or something like that. It was pretty, pretty crazy. But yes. Belichick, can you imagine being a part of the Cleveland Browns, looking in the mirror and thinking to himself, what the hell am I doing? Where am I going? Are things ever going to get better? Well, the, 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 this is the interesting thing. I, I heard an interview uh, where somebody was talking about Belichick. Belichick was on the verge of possibly being fired by the Patriots before Drew Bledsoe got hurt and was replaced by Brady. So, you know, I mean, if if that wouldn't have happened, you know, who knows whether he would be the legend that he is right now. And, you know, Brady would have gotten the opportunity. I think eventually he would have. But that injury to Bledsoe, I think it was in Pittsburgh um, that that particular year. I mean, that that put the, the Patriots on a track to be the, the best football franchise for a long span in the history of the NFL. Drew Bledsoe, one of the all-time great Buffalo Bills. Oh, yes. Michael, enjoy the Super Bowl. Thanks for your insight. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Norman. We would like to thank Vanguard Northeast Realty in Scarborough, title sponsor of the Leafs Convo, demonstrating passion for the industry and a superior level of excellence in selling, leasing, and marketing your property. Vanguard Northeast Realty. That is it for the Sunday Spectac. What did you think? At Norman James TLC, at Mike and Buffalo, or you can get at us inside the comments section. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll talk to you soon. The Leafs Convo is out.